1: science fiction has a long and storied history of gatekeeping and some outright hostility to marginalized voices dating all the way back to the early days of fandom. But today, it's one of many genres leaning towards an inclusive future that's both revitalized and revolutionized by Black women writers. Afrofuturism has become a genre in and of itself, and it's made its place in every realm of media, from music to movies to books, appearing everywhere from the paintings of Basquiat to the music of Janelle Monae, all the way to comic books and film with Black Panther, Afrofuturism is easily one of the most important movements of science fiction in the last century. Let's be honest, science fiction has greatly benefited from the work of Black women writers, many who have been giving us challenging new ideas of what the future might look like, at least as far back as the publication of Octavia Butler's first complete standalone novel, 1979's Fledgling. With increased interest in the overlooked and forgotten histories of marginalized science fiction and fantasy writers, we're always discovering new works that were believed lost, underappreciated in their time, or that have just been flat out forgotten about. Lately, the early days of Afrofuturism and its founders have finally become the subject of deeper conversation. One of the writers to first show us themes of a hidden, technologically advanced African society is Pauline Hopkins, who's believed to be the first Black woman to pen a science fiction novel with 1902s. Of one blood
0: unassumingly told which cements the bond of brotherhood among all classes and all complexions fiction is of great value to any people as a preserver of manner and customs religious political and social it is a record of growth and development from generation to generation
1: her exact date of birth is unclear, Pauline Hopkins arrived in the world in 1859, born to her mother, Sarah Allen, and her biological father, Benjamin Northup. But Hopkins would go on to refer to her mother's second husband, William, as her father, after Sarah divorced Northup over his infidelity. Sarah and William were both fairly well-off, and well-connected. So, Pauline was born into what amounted to a middle-class family life. Her parents were highly supportive of her interests and even encouraged her quote unquote, offbeat career choices, first as an actor, and then as a writer. Many credit the first glimpse of her capabilities as an author to when she won a nationwide contest with her essay, Evils of Intemperance and Their Remedy, a warning towards the dangers of overindulgence of all kinds. Granted, it might not seem like the catchiest title or even subject matter, but this essay was well-received in its day. Especially since Pauline was in her teens when she wrote it. She was already out there blowing minds. Hopkins spent the next several years focusing on a career as an actor and a singer, rather than an author. She often performed alongside her parents in a singing troupe they called Hopkins Colored Troubadours. She acted in several plays, including one she'd written herself, and reviews from publications of the time seemed generally favorable. By the time Hopkins refocused her ambitions on a literary career, her work had long been centered around melding both the literary, and theater worlds. Pauline's interest in the socioeconomic concerns that stemmed from the still recent abolition of slavery informed much of her work before ever approaching sci-fi themes. Her first known credit as a playwright was Slaves Escape, based on the stories of the Harriet Tubman's Underground Railroad. Her first novel was titled Contending Forces, detailing the suffering and attacks against black citizens in the South directly after the Civil War. Occasionally writing under the name of her mother, Sarah Allen, Hopkins left the theater and took on a job at the Colored American, which was the first magazine to cover African-American culture.
0: Fearful indeed is the plan of existence which rules our mortality. Innocent or guilty, our deeds done in the flesh pursue us with relentless vigor unto the end of life.
1: Hopkins was the editor, primary writer, and a shareholder in the magazine. Her tenure lasted a mere three to four years before a hostile takeover by Booker T. Washington saw her replaced with a new editor, Fred Randolph Moore. Adding insult to injury, detailed letters in Hopkins' estate discussed her suspicions that she was being conspired against by both the white co-founder of The Colored American, John C. Froond, and the magazine's eventual head, Booker T. Washington. According to Hopkins, Fern and Washington worked together to quell her outspoken views against racism. They sought to bring about a magazine that would be more pleasing to whites of the early 20th century, who, given what we know of white people in 2019, were probably not that easy to appease. She believed that Washington's presence, one of a more willing and compliant black man, hurt her position and brought along with it a slew of sexist and racist microaggressions and that he worked against her to increase his own position in the service of making a more white-friendly publication. Washington ultimately cost Hopkins her job. It may not shock anyone to hear Hopkins underwent this treatment during the turn of the century, but much of what she experienced from her peers in 1903 are the same as modern complaints of massage noir in publishing today, over 115 years later. Hopkins wrote two romance novels in serial form for The Colored American before her eventual sci-fi novel. True to form, she created subversive works of social commentary. The books featured discussion of violence against former slaves in post-Civil War America and the complexity of interracial relationships in the early 1900s, subjects that, at the time, were not often, if ever, written about by Black women. Pauline Hopkins never shied away from controversy, but it was for all the right reasons. But it was during the winter of 1902 Hopkins published what is now considered her most important work in serial form, This would be her final novel for the magazine, and her last full-length book. Of One Blood focuses on a mixed-race man named Raoul Briggs, whose ability to pass as white has led him to take on a somewhat laissez-faire stance on his heritage. He seeks to go along to get along, and doesn't understand why he should care about the long-standing histories at play in his life in America. Ultimately, he leaves the U.S. to visit Ethiopia, where he discovers a hidden civilization of people who now read as proto afrofuturists they exist in a secret, technologically advanced society, much like Black Panther's Wakanda. Briggs discovers that he's an African king via birthright and must learn to embrace his history and heritage if he's to reap the benefits of it in a community that stays strategically hidden from their white world, thus escaping much of the colonization others have been subjected to. Theirs is a proud society. And as Briggs learns via psychic awareness of the kings that are his ancestors, his pride grows too. His diaspora becomes more intense as he grows to understand the importance of heritage. Again, this was the turn of the 20th century, and a time when nobody had ever heard of anything like this. And the plot was just off the charts imaginative. But the story was about more than just a fantasy utopia. It explored sexual assault and trauma in a way that had sympathized with and showed empathy for an abuse survivor, which was revolutionary in and of itself. Hopkins explored colorism and the abuse of the Black woman at the hands of white men. Furthermore, as Briggs delves further into his own history in the story, he discovers that he and his love interest, Diante, are blood relatives. Keep in mind the subject of incest in post-Reconstruction-era America was a different story with different social ramifications for Black Americans than for white. In the end, Of One Blood might be one of the most unique sci-fi novels ever written. The plot takes us to various places through time and history. Afrofuturist themes appear alongside strong political commentary and examinations of the lives of Black women during the Reconstructionist era, all of which remain a unique and valuable historical perspective to this day. In many ways, of one blood is a commentary on the need for people of the time to escape an oppressive history and replace it with something significantly more hopeful. While Hopkins herself seems to plead with the reader to take a look back further than the known history of African Americans which she and many African-American writers imagined to be a time of power and beauty before colonization. Unfortunately, after Hopkins was forced to leave the board for The Colored American, her career as a writer and her record of published output appears to have more or less ended. To date, the novella Topsy-Templeton from 1916 is Hopkins' last known work. She worked as a stenographer through the Massachusetts Institute of Technology for much of the rest of her life. Pauline Hopkins passed away due to injuries sustained in a fire in 1930 at the age of 71.
0: Sometimes the rough winds of adversity are tempered to the shorn lamb who is not responsible for acts which are forced upon him. God, in infinite wisdom and justice, remits the severity of our sufferings, but the tracings still remain upon the sands of life. We bind up the wounds, they heal, but the scars remain.
1: Regardless of her apprehension and her knowledge of the dangers of taking a stand against racism in the early 1900s, Pauline Hopkins repeatedly spoke truth to power and shaped fascinating narratives for expressing her sense of outrage at the injustice of the world, specifically as the affected Black woman. Although sci-fi and indeed literature at large might not have accepted her with open arms in her time, her legacy, her skill, and her bravery are all equally indisputable making her unquestionably one of the most important early voices of genre. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Sarah Century and narrated and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sci-Fi Fangirls.